There was a time when the earth was uncharted, the seas unknown. Dark rumors told of sea monsters circling the deep and treacherous waters. Old maps warned, beyond this point there be dragons. What lay ahead was unknown and to be feared. Brave men and women traded safety and security for boldness and adventure. Set sail over uncertain horizons, drawn by whispers and dreams of fortunes. A new life and new land. According to legend, the explorer Hernán Cortés set sail bound for Mexico to capture the world's richest treasure. It was a voyage that would change the history of the New World. He and his men were vastly outnumbered. Before charging into battle, Cortés rallied his troops one last time. He looked into the eyes of his soldiers and said three simple words that would change everything. Burn the ships. This bold move ensured that there was no turning back. They now faced victory or death. With no option for retreat, they fought knowing their lives hung in the balance. And they won. This story was a journey of great risk and the courage to take a bold step. We are all called to take new territory, find the new world in our own lives, to be bold enough to face our fears and answer Jesus' call to bravery, to step out onto the water, no matter the cost, and follow him into adventure. If there be dragons beyond this, daggers upon us, I'll keep my eyes upon us, you'll keep me honest. When we see trouble before us, liars in chorus, we see hope in the darkness, life left to harm. ships we don't need them as we aren't going back the way we came but the ships we don't need them is where we're going we've got roads to pay
The legend is, if you didn't catch it, that Cortez with his armada of 11 ships on the, right on the Mexican coast, as the, uh, his whole crew was there about to take the next step, to put the next foot in front of another on this journey into this, this new land, unsure of what the land would hold, unsure of what was in the forest and what was beyond the sea on the land ahead of them. The legend is that as he got them off the ships, he then turned and said, now go and burn the ships. We don't need them. We're not going back that way. We're going this way. And it's a common habit that when things get difficult, you know, as we're called into bravery, that it's a real natural tendency to find the comfortable place of where we've been. You know, the place where we're the expert, where we're in control, where we know what's happening. Places we've been before. And there's times in our walk with Jesus that he says, it's time to take another step. It's time to, to, to leap into me. And in so doing, you need to burn the ships that are behind you. Don't go back to that place. It's time for you to move forward. We find the same with Peter. We've been walking with the, uh, the Apostle Peter. You know, he's the one that is, is teaching us how to be, be brave. And we're, we're, we see in his character that, that he's naturally brave. He's sort of a yahoo. You know, and he's always sticking his foot in his mouth. He's always taking a step too soon. And what we're going to find here that he finally gets to the point where he's broken. That he, his own bravery has been shown as the illusion that it is. Because what's just happened before the, the passage we're going to look at today is the uh, crucifixion and, and resurrection of Jesus. And so Peter, he's, he's been hanging around with Jesus and he's walking with him. He's, Jesus is headed to the cross. And uh, those of you that are here with us um, last week, and we talked about how Peter, Jesus told Peter, you know, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, Peter did. I mean, he was there. He was hanging out with Jesus, but he was to the side. And Jesus was on the cross, and some folks came to Peter, and they, they said, Hey, don't you know him? You, you know that guy, right? Weren't you one of his followers? And three times Peter said no, and the last time he even got angry. said, No, I don't know the bleeping guy. To which Jesus then looked at him, and Peter ran. Then, three days later, Jesus is raised from the dead. And he comes before the disciples, comes before them twice. You might, might remember one of the stories. He, he, he meets with the disciples, but Thomas isn't there. And then he shows up another time, and, and Thomas is there. And the first time Thomas said, he, they, the disciples say, hey, we saw Jesus. And Thomas said, ah, no, no way I'm going to believe him unless I see the scars in his hands and side. And so the second time Thomas is there, and Jesus shows up and says, hey, here you go. Take a look. Put your hands in my hand and inside if, if you need to. So Jesus would have these encounters with the disciples. And I even 
think that for Peter, that was even more difficult. You know, because Peter is living with the fact that he's denied Jesus to his face. While Jesus in his time of greatest need, humanly speaking, Peter has, has denied him. And, and Jesus sees it, knows it. They have eye contact in that moment. Can you think of a more horrible, terrifying experience than that? And that's what Peter's living with, even as he's encountering Jesus in these two other resurrection appearances. And I think the resurrection might have even been salt on the wound for Peter. You know, that he might have, been, might have even said, Oh man, this just, this just kicks me because, you know, why did I do that? Why? I'm, sure, and he's, I'm sure he's saying, oh, there's so many other ways that he's replaying it. I could have done it differently. I could have done this or I could have done that. <clears throat> you know, I wish that, that I'd, I had said, yeah, I know him, because I'd rather would have been honest and die at their hands than to be alive now, having lied before Jesus. So I imagine all that, I mean, that has to be going through in, in Peter's heart and, and, and mind. And it's at that time that Peter just says, I'm... I'm going back to the old comfortable way. I'm worthless. I'm useless. You know, this pain is too much. And I'm, I'm not cut out for this, what Jesus has called. I know Jesus called me to not be a fisher of fish, but to be a fisher of men. But he was wrong. And it's too hard. And it's too painful. So I'm giving up. And that's where we pick it up with John. In John chapter 21, Peter just says, I'm, I'm going back. I'm retreating back to the place that's comfortable for me. John chapter 21, starting with verse 1, it's found on page 883. So all that's what's happening, and then we pick it up here. Let's, let's pray together. Gracious God, that we, we pray now that your Holy Spirit will be at work so that what is said is what needs to be said. What is heard is what needs to be heard, how it needs to be heard, and how it is applied in each of our lives and our lives together would be in accordance with your good and perfect will. We give ourselves to you. We want this time to be spent with you. Spent well, not wasted. So we give ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So after these things that we just talked about, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. This is what I proposed to you was Peter's moving back into the ships. I mean, moving back for him, his boat. I mean, when fishing, that's what Peter knows, right? When he's in a fishing boat, that's when he's in control of things, right? I mean, he knows how to read the waters. He knows how to fold the, 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 the nets. He, he knows how this works. This is the place that he is comfortable. This is where Peter is the expert. This is where Peter is, has that semblance of control. 
These are the waters that he's fished many a times before. He knows how to do this. It's his fallback position. Failure, disappointment, difficulty, challenge. The, the sense of that it'll, things will never get better. The sense that we'll, we won't conquer this can push us back to just going fishing again. To just going back to where we were. The lies of this world call us back to that safe place. To that comfortable place. The lies that we tell ourselves that I'm broken, that I'm useless, that I'm no good. I just need to go back to fishing. The, the, the sense, that false sense of safety and control and comfort that we have. Yeah, you know, that sense, I'm just going to coast, just make it through, stay below the radar, get to the end. Taking matters in our own hand. This is up to me. I'm the one that has to, to figure it out. Sometimes we have to burn the ships. Say, do not buy into the lies of the world. Our identity is not dependent on our achievement. Peter's identity is not dependent on his obedience to Jesus. Peter's identity was not dependent on him acknowledging Jesus when Jesus was on the cross. His identity was already secure in Jesus Christ who was dying for him in the very moment that Peter was sinning against the one that he loved. The lies of the world say, find your comfort here, find your comfort in what you can achieve. Find your comfort in, in believing in these lies that, that you're unworthy, that you're too broken, that you're useless, you know, that you're too old, you're too young, you're too skinny, you're too fat, you're too smart, you're not smart enough. You're too good looking, you're not good looking enough. The world in all kinds of ways says, here's your comfort, here's your identity. It's, it's in these things. Your identity is found in the fact that, yeah, you, you have an illness. You have a struggle, whether it's mental or whether it's physical. That's a lie of the world. That is not your identity. That is not my identity. We are in Jesus Christ above and beyond all things. That's where our identity is. And the lies of the world maybe are the things we have to burn. Maybe, maybe what we need to leave behind, what we need to burn are the excuses. You know, that well, this is just going to be too hard. Uh, this, this is going to be too much. This is going to cost too much money. This is going to take too much time. We have to leave behind the false security that we can get from the things of the world of having enough money, of, of, of having enough uh, ability, of having enough experience, of having the, the right reputation. Maybe those are the kind of things that, that we've got to burn in order to, to be brave and follow after Jesus. 
I mean, it may be for some of you here that, that what you have to do is leave your reputation of being the one that's, that's always up front. And, and the brave thing Jesus is saying to you is, no, go get behind the scenes. And there may be for some of you here that you're, you, you like being behind the scenes. And Jesus is saying, no, your call is to be up front. And we have to burn. Those false identities. Those false places that we get security. That those places where we feel like we're in control and we know what to do and we've got a handle on it. It may be what needs to be burned, what needs to be left and destroyed are our old coping mechanisms. I mean, really, maybe what we really need to do is, is literally burn or cut the credit cards because our coping mechanism is to go shopping. Or maybe our, our coping mechanism, that, comp- that place when, when we're in the midst of, of failure or difficulty or challenge and the call is there, maybe what we need to do is just unplug the TV. Turn off the, the, the radio because that's the place, that comfortable place that we can go to instead of taking that next step of, of bravery. What's that? ship for you what's the fishing boat for you where you find your identity you find your security in anything else besides Jesus gotta release it gotta burn it gotta let it go cause that's what Peter did at the realization of the sight of Jesus that's when he leapt in a funny, humorous way. But he's in the boat. It's in the midst of his own sorrow and, and brokenness and just going back to fishing for fish when Jesus had told him, you're going to be fishing for people. Let's pick it up in verse 4. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. You see why this is just so connected to Peter's call. Some of you may remember a couple weeks ago, we looked at Peter's call, and it was a very similar story. Peter was in a boat. They hadn't been out all night, hadn't caught any fish. And it's the same story here. And then they put it on the other side, and they catch a whole bunch of fish. John is clearly pointing us back to that day. You remember, Peter, Jesus said you're going to be fishers of people. This is the adventure. This is the bread, not fishers of fish. So see, even now, here, you, Jesus didn't say, I told you once, and that's all I'm going to tell you. You need to get it right. He repeated it. Jesus had not given up on Peter, even though Peter had given up on himself. That disciple, verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, the writer of the gospel, said to Peter, It is the Lord! 
When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. Again, I love Peter's knee-jerk reactions. I mean, this is salvation. Once again, he gives us this story over and over again. He's in the boat, and he's... Fishing naked. Now, you know, and, and so then he sees Jesus and realizes it. So he puts his clothes on to go swimming and get onto the shore. Most people, I thought, do it differently. Maybe that's a first century deal. You know, I don't know. But he sees Jesus and his knee-jerk reaction is, I've got to get to him. It's at that moment he leaps. It's at that moment there's a, a figurative burning the bushes, burning the ships. The burning bush is another story burning the ships that he, he now burns the ships that are behind him Yet we no longer see peter in a fishing boat from this point on and he but he makes mistakes over and over again but he's now swimming to jesus and he comes to jesus in that moment he realizes it's not his it's not in his power there is no more and, and you know this, this has happened before in your own life right i mean when are the ways that you go back to that that comfort thing that thing that you find comfort in, and, and and in the moment it brings a semblance of release for a moment but then afterwards you're overwhelmed with guilt that was empty that didn't bring me anything of meaning or purpose and that's what, I think that's what Peter was, he was out fishing, you know, and he, he's caught no fish, caught a lot of fish. That, none of that was exciting until he saw Jesus. When they'd gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the whole net ashore. You know, Jesus just said, bring me a few Full of large fish, 153 of them. I love that they counted them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me.
takes bravery to follow after Jesus. It takes bravery to leave some of those old comfortable places, those comfortable ways, the ways where you're the expert. It takes bravery where Jesus is calling us, is into a new place. It's into a new territory. It, he's always going to call us into the place where, where hell is reigning. Because He's called us to bring His grace and mercy there. And that, that takes a bravery to know that it's not about you being good enough or me being smart enough, but about Jesus being the Lord and Savior. He's the one who calls us. He's the one that we follow. Our identity, our power is in Him. And if you are in Him, then you are good enough, strong enough. You've been qualified. You've been gifted in exactly the way that He wants you to be a carrier of His grace, a representative of His love, and a beacon of light, the light of heaven. So what's to take that step, to take that leap, to know that Jesus has said, I'll catch you. I mean, sort of like the kid on the edge of the pool and the daddy in the water. Did it many times. Come on, you can jump. You can, you can jump. You can do it. Shuffling on the side. I don't know. You know it well, right, Sam? Yeah. Any of you swim ministry folks, you know, you can jump, you can do it. Come on, man, all the rest. You don't want to leave the comfort of that, the fear of, of jumping into that. And that's what Jesus is saying. Even if you have denied me three times to my face, I love you. And I've gifted you. And I've got a plan for you to go feed my sheep. What is it? What is it that keeps you there? What's the boat that you go back to? You should have all received a boat. Did everybody get boats? Yeah, and you got a little base like this? If you didn't, uh, raise your hand and uh, ushers will bring them to you. Yeah, it may not, may not be now. Maybe during, the, during those, as we take communion and, and other things, or maybe just throughout the week. What, what is it that holds you? What's that identity of yours that you find comfort in, you find strength in? What's the lie of the world that you go back to? That, that coping mechanism, the, the, the lies about yourself, or the lies about God? It may be a whole, you may be writing a whole book on here. I, I want you to write that. I want this, I want this to represent the ways that you find comfort in this world that keep you back from jumping to Jesus. For me, mine is achievement. You know, that whole notion that we are what we achieve, that we have value because of what we can accomplish. I mean, that's the way of the world. And for me, that comfort place for me is when things go rough, you know that old saying, when, the, um, when times get rough, the rough get going, or something like that. How's it go? That, 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 I mean, that's me. I just work harder. That's my fishing ship. That's my fishing boat. And nothing wrong with, with working hard, but if that's where you find your identity, then it's called idolatry. 
and, and it leads to anything but life. But that's the one thing that, one of the things that comes for, for me as I consider this. So what I want you to do, again, is write down those things. What are, what are the, the ships you need to burn? And then, and then I want you to take it home and I want you to burn it. Really. Um, and and the, way, the way it works is you take this, um, just this flat piece right here, and, and you put it in, in water. And then you, you, you fold the, you know, this bottom little piece right here and the, so that where it can, the, the boat can stand up on its own, at least in, in theory. The, uh, it's supposed to. That's a problem with these live uh, demonstrations. It didn't want to do it for first service either. It, it did it beautifully during the week, of course. But so you, you put that there, and then again, in theory, you, you put this uh, up here, and, and it's supposed to stay on there. If you want to go home and get some tape and be sure, oh, there we go. And, and so you write it, write it on there, and then get. Um, uh, don't do this at home without your children present, um, parents. And parents don't do it at home without your your uh, children. Don't do it without your parents. And then I want you just to catch it on fire. And I want you to burn the ship. Say, all right, that's gone. I can't go back there anymore. It's it's it's. That, that lie no longer is, is, is mine. That is no longer my identity. Because my identity is in the one I'm leaping to. Again, take time during this service, even during this week. Write down there, what are the, what's the fishing boat for you that holds you back? From taking the step that Jesus is calling you to take with Him. You know, I can't, can't say it enough. You're right if you think you're not good enough and you're, you're too scared and you can't pull it off. You're right. You can't. And that's really the, the best step to recognize that and say, but Jesus can in you. Amen.